0: hello welcome to the post-match pint on the villa view i'm your host dan bardell joined by neil dunworth to discuss west ham united one aston villa one this show is sponsored by purity ale and if you use the code hashtag villa view, you'll get 10 percent off everything purity have to offer and i assure you it's all good stuff neil how
1: are you i'm good i'm good i've had a couple of uh couple of hours to decompress after that game and well, it wasn't anything. I like there won't be any almanacs written about that game. Uh, today. I don't even know what that
0: word means, now. So that's a fantastic. Start <laughs> to the show.
1: What on earth is that? What was that word you just said? <laughs> An almanac, it's like something where you cat- catalog statistics based on oh, events, okay. usually. Yeah, yeah, there won't be anything really written on that today. But uh, look, I think a point, is, I suppose, when you boil it all down to its nuts and bolts. Of that, there's two analogies that I never thought I'd run, to, run the two of them in together. Um, but when you i all draw away from home for this Aston Villa team is pretty decent. Albeit it's a missed I feel I still have this nagging feeling in the back of my head it's a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think I think it was a chance for, for three points. I think most of the time any point away from home is a decent point in most circumstances in an away game. I think this probably falls under that category today. There's a, there's a few frustrations in there, obviously. You know, the Fat Villa were, were 1 0 up and got pegged back pretty pretty quickly. We'll come on to the, the penalty that I don't think was a penalty, but you know, the, these things happen in, in the Premier League most weeks, it seems it will happen to someone. But on the face of it, I think it's, it's a decent point. West Ham. Tough place to go, really. I think that they're fighting for their lives down down at the bottom now. That they need wins. I thought at times they they were the better side, but Villa managed to curtail them quite well. I actually, think the first goal came when West Ham were were on top in the game, and, and Villa kind of mm. scored a little bit against the run of play. I, I would say, but then I would say also their goal came a little bit against the run of play because suddenly we started popping it around when, when we were one nil up. But I don't think it's a, a bad point at all. I think Unai Emery's uh, interview afterwards on Villa TV. I think he kind of said that the same thing. But let, let's get into the into what happened in, in the game. And Villa kind of did their job really, didn't they, Neil? Because we said in the in in the match preview that Villa can get themselves ahead in the first 15, 20 minutes and get the crowd, Techi, get the crowd on on the team's backs. That's the perfect thing for, for to happen, the perfect way for the game to go. And that is what Villa did. They rode a little bit of a storm. I thought Villa defended well all day, by the way, but they they, they rode a, a little bit of a storm. And they got themselves ahead, Ollie Watkins again, that's 6-7. in But for him now, a lovely header, downward header, perfect header, great centre-forwards goal. I guess that's one of the annoying things from today is that Villa got themselves into the position, rode a storm, went 1-0 up. That lay just didn't last long enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, actually, it's, it's interesting because I hadn't thought about that The both goals did come kind of against the run of play. You know, the Villa goal was a case of we soaked a small bit of pressure. West Ham weren't, they weren't peppering our goal by any means in in the first half. But all of a sudden, Moreno breaks loose down the left-hand side, whips in a beaut of a cross and we're 1-0 up. And you're right, I I never actually factored that in. And also the West Ham penalty was against the run of play, albeit we were under pressure at corners. So I agree with you. Corners
0: were a problem today, I thought, in general. But it's West Ham.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were they were a big problem. When you've got three center halves and Rice and Suchek, you know, that's five big targets that they have in there. Um, you know, and if they had had Mikel Antonio in there as well, it would have been another one. So they are adept at corners. And uh, it was very much a wrestling match for a lot of the corners. Like, you know, a lot of people are saying there could have been four or five, six penalties given yeah. for corners. I can't disagree with that. Um, I can't disagree with that, but uh, you're right in, in the fact that Villa did defend well all day. There was no real time, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I can't really remember a time when Villa were were very badly skinned, save for maybe when Max Cornet was cornered. Cornet was living like three or four yards offside each time trying to yeah. play on the shoulder of, of Tyrone Mings at the end. But up until that, I don't, particularly remember a a time when they got in behind us or when we were left of course West Ham had chances but I don't think any of them were because of massive defensive blunders if that makes sense
0: no I think probably I would say I felt relatively comfortable through the whole game with with how we were defending I think West Ham did put us under pressure at times especially from set Mm. players when they had corners and it felt like they had a lot in, in the game, I've not seen the stats back, but it did feel like they had a lot of corners. They were the only times I was really worried through the game. There was nothing else in there that really concerned me. But although I thought Villa were okay today, I guess West Ham fans would probably say a similar thing, although not from corners, but they'd say Villa didn't do much today that, that, that scared me. That's, what, that's why i come away thinking 1-1 was in a lot of ways a, a fair result. I guess the, one, the thing with Villa from our point of view is, I said the penalties just... It, I don't think it's a penalty. I don't think you can criticise Leon Bailey for a, a, a lot of things. And, you know, he, okay, he puts his hands hands on him, but you gotta, it happens all over the pitch, 90 minutes, 90-plus 90 minutes. some you players will put their hands on, on someone. It doesn't mean that you fall down in the way Pacitar did. And I, I just don't think it's a penalty. But I also think as soon as the ref gives it, and the, the ref's been conned, look, that that's what's happened there. The ref's been conned into giving a penalty that's where you'd like VAR to come in and say, I think you might've made a mistake here. You, you might want to go and look at the screen. I think, I don't think the fall justifies the contact, but unfortunately, because there's this clear and obvious guys, that's not what happens. And it's very unlikely at that point, as soon as that penalty is mm. given by the ref, that he's going to overturn it. Now the ref hadn't given it and it goes to VAR and VAR, look at it. I'm 99.9% certain they don't give that as a penalty. Mm. But this is just where we are with VAR, and it's in these circumstances. It adds absolutely nothing to the game because it's it's just that that kind of thing is just stupid. That if if they'd have looked at it and it hadn't have been given, they wouldn't have given it. But because it has been given, they've looked at it and they've not overturned it, and that's just stupid. Is the only word yeah. I, I can use to describe that now.
1: It looked like like the two incidents you can talk about. Declan Rice's. I was, I I can understand. I can understand why the penalty was given. Um, the Bailey penalty was given, hands on the shoulder, will look bad in slow motion. Well, Peter I, I, Miles
0: is saying in the comments that it wasn't his hands, their legs get tangled and they both fall over. But I, kind of, I, I from seeing it back, it I didn't it. see a leg tangle.
1: I, I, I could be wrong. I could be absolutely yes, wrong. I, 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 so, could, so
0: could I. But I've watched it a few times now and I, I, I think, think he goes down. For, it's, it's given for the hands, in my opinion. I could be wrong.
1: I think their legs get tangled because he goes down... When Pakita goes to the ground, and then their legs get tangled, and then yes, Bailey does end up on gr- on the ground because he he kind of almost falls over him as and he throws goes himself
0: out. down. Once Pakita does it, because I think he's just that's what players do. He's trying to protect himself.
1: Maybe so. I, I once again without having it here, this, it would be brilliant if, if like uh, if we could look at it uh in real time because I can't fully remember I channel, see. we're not getting
0: Adam to play out clips as well. That's just absolutely <laughs> well, no... If,
1: you, if we get its technology
0: not ready for that.
1: Exactly, yeah. And you're probably gonna get copyright strikes anyway, left right and, and centre from the Premier League. Um so there won't be a channel if that happens. Um take it from experience, I've gotten an email about it previously. <laughs> uh so but i uh, look I suppose either way I, I, I think look I think it was I, I can understand why it was given. My biggest gripe with that penalty is that the ball was going away from goal, the player was going away from goal and all you really like yes there was an opportunity to counter attack. there was an opportunity I can see it, but first principles would be. OK, you go and you steady things up, you get into it, you, you realise where you are in the field and you don't give the referee any 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 decision well, to make. We
0: survived, didn't we? We, we really survived just before that. So that, that made yeah. it more annoying as well. The fact Holy that Watkins. You know, Watkins has made an unbelievable clearance off the line right. and we've got no reward for that because we've ended up yeah. conceding from that same phase of play, that that same attack. I, I know you're saying, and I completely get what you're saying, you understand why it's being given. When you just watch it, if anyone who didn't like football, does like football. If you just watch it, it mm, isn't a penalty. I agree. There's just there's yeah, nothing there for it to be a penalty, but because of the way the game is, and the game's stupid at times, it is given. That's terrible analysis for me. But that is that is where we're at.
1: But it's it's yeah, it's true. It's true. And 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 I think conversely, when you look at Declan Rice when a re- Declan Rice was really clumsy in the box And there yeah. was more contact And then the referee So I initially <laughs> you said that, but My initial point was going to be to you there When you mentioned about VAR If the referee had given a VAR wouldn't have overturned it And I think what happened was VAR just Blanketly backed the referee in both of those decisions Of course,
0: that is what happened that, that, You're exactly right, that's exactly what happened But we're skipping way ahead But yes, I don't think ours was a penalty either But I think if you're giving the first one I think ours is a penalty but because yeah. of the stupid, that's again, it. stupid yeah. way VAR works, because yeah. the ref hasn't given it, we don't get it. And I don't, I don't, yeah. think, I don't think for one second it's a penalty in a million I, years. But neither is theirs. And this, this is where the, this is where I just say VAR can just be a catastrophe because it's utterly
1: pointless. That's there's no point that's having, why... there's
0: no point having it there for that. There's no point looking at it. What's the
1: point? I a hundred percent agree. And that's why I was hard under the collar was because the application so it's supposed to be a tool that's applied in a standardized way so that human error is taken out of the situation so if you make so what that kind of means to me is and jesus dan we must have talked about var more than football i'd say and on this podcast whenever we get in there get into it but so if you if you make the rules at the start of the game and you say right this is a penalty and then when you look at it and you they, they looked at the Rice thing through a completely different lens Clumsy yeah. and all as it is It's not meant the Rice thing But at the end of the day it is what it is And you know It's it, it, it's as clear a penalty As the first one for me so if you give one you have to give The second one I don't I don't agree with uh, I I think neither of the two of them are penalties in real time um, For sure but look it's uh it's going to be one of one of life's foibles with the fact that we will never get our head around var and it will never please everybody all the time and at this stage it was supposed to please everybody all the time now what it's doing is it's just creating more and more talking points i would have actually been fine if the referee had waved both of us off and there was no var i think i would have been fine or if the referee had given both of them or whatever um they're
0: not even ones that are remotely controversial. I don't think I, either, I either of them are, are they? Yeah. Really? That, you, I agree. The Newcastle game. I don't know whether you've seen it. The Pope one that didn't get that didn't get given. Now that's more of a penalty than either of the penalty claims in the Villa game. That's not that's not given either. But yet the West Ham penalty, which is way less of a penalty than the Newcastle one today, and exactly the same as the one that we didn't get given. Really, that's where it's just a farce. It, it, it is just it's just ridiculous. I get that you can't have consistency from. Like almost game to game in terms of so that Newcastle game today, I can't judge what the officials do in that game compared to the Villa game today. In some ways, I can understand that you can't. They're they're two completely different games. But In the case of ours today, it's the same game. It's the same people. If you've given that first one as a penalty in the game, the second one is a penalty in the game, just because it's happened already. So I just mm-hmm. that, that's where it's just annoying. And I actually, wasn't annoyed before I came on this podcast. And now I feel slightly frustrated now. <laughs> so that, that's not good. I, look, I think today one one was probably a, probably a fair result. Yeah. But I don't I don't think the goal that Villa have conceded in the game was fair because we've had something that we should have had later on in the game. It's just, the whole thing. Exactly. If
1: if one of Ben Rama's efforts had pinged into the top corner and we drew one all and no penalty was given, I would sit here and go. Hard-fought game, absolutely fair. Like, and it was. I, I do think the fair result was one-one. Yeah,
0: I, I do think If you ask the West result. Ham fan today as well, do you think yours was a penalty, and do you think the Villa one was a penalty? They're probably going to say, "I don't think any either of them were a penalty." It's nothing to do yeah. with biased. You know, I think. I think I genuinely, think a West Ham fan would say neither of those were penalties. Yeah. Only only one's been given. You know, obviously, you know, if we're here today, and we've drawn one-one because we've scored a penalty like that. I'm probably happy, aren't I? Because it's it's aided my team, but it's still in the back of my mind. I'd be thinking mm, that was that
1: that was the penalty,
0: and I'd be on here saying it wasn't a penalty, and that if ours was a penalty, West Ham should have had a penalty too. If the roles were reversed. That I, I definitely think... would do that.
1: I think I'd be, I, I, I'm i the same. I would definitely be going, oh, look, you know, yes, it was, it, it, it was soft. But look, I've seen them given, you know, you know, how I do, I, I'm I i the type of person I talk myself into kind of going, look, you know, it was what it was. But look, I've seen them given, so I'm not going to dwell too much in it. If it was, if it was, so look, it, it's six and one, half a dozen of the other. I don't think either of the two of them were penalties. I still, I don't think the referee was the reason that we didn't win this game today. I think there was other things to talk about as the reason that we didn't win this game today. But I also think that one-one is a fair result. So it's it's just a kind of a game that is it's hard to put into words. You know, uh, the the core the core incidents, I suppose, that happen in the game don't actually correlate to the overall to, to the overall feeling about the game itself, which is weird because usually they do.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, yeah, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be realistic about it, yes, the penalties cost Villa because they've drawn the game one-one because of that. Yeah. But I actually think Villa had two reasonably big chances in the game where they they, they could have done better and could, and could have won the game the Watkins one at 1-1 yeah he should open his body up a, a bit more and he probably should stick that that in the in the back there mm. but in real it's time tough. it's probably yeah. a probably a, a lot
1: big at that stage alright you know why it's actually it's a
0: good save cuz it could go through him could go under him could hit him mm. and go in it's a good save he's held on to it fair play to him well done to to Ariola, but you kind of think you've got to, you've got to be taking taking those chances and he has taken his chances in the main in, in, in recent months, but that did feel like a big chance at one one. A bit like the chance last week at 1-0 yep. to to kill the game and go and go 2-0 up. That's two big chances he's missed on half time in two games running. But overall, Ollie Watkins is in sensational form and we're here to see it and we love it. Uh
1: Erling am ha- I writing to Erling Highland.
0: He missed one yesterday. Big one.
1: Uh Harry Kane. Ollie Watkins? They're the three biggest sco- three top scorers, or oh, Rashford, Rashford, Holland, Haaland, uh, Haaland Harry year, Kane, yeah. Oli Watkins since since Boxing Day yeah, since uh, since returned after the um, I think Rashford eighteen
0: or something ridiculous in all competitions, which yeah. I find absolutely staggering. Twelve
1: in the Premier League, I think I, I looked it up previously, or somebody somebody shared it. I think it's 12, 11, uh, 10 and eight. So Watkins has yeah. eight since then. Um, so like that's fantastic stuff out of Oli Watkins. We need. Do you know what the my my only criticism of Oli Watkins is? I think we just need to get him in the game more now because he's in a rich vein of form. And um, he's actually, do you know what the funny thing is? His goals per shots ratio have rocketed since Danny Ings isn't in the team anymore. He's taking less shots since Ings isn't in the team and he's having better outcomes. And that isn't the Watkins versus Ings thing today. I actually thought Ings was very quiet today. Yeah. Um, You know, he he had a t- he had was quiet. He found it difficult to get in no the service. game himself. No service. No service. He, exactly. he relies on service Ings. Which is wild, considering the players that they had playing behind him. But Ollie Watkins needed that one chance. I still think if you were to put a truth serum to him, he says he has no idea where that ball that header is going. But all he wanted to do was head it down into the ground and fair play to him, oh, it it to the back of the net. It was brilliant, yeah. Across yeah, the keeper really as
0: well. That's a, that's a difficult skill, like you yeah. say. Maybe he didn't mean it, but you know he's he's put he's arced it there. It's a it's a lovely, lovely header and a, and a real potent finish from from Ollie Watkins. And like I say, mm. in front of goal at the moment. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. It's good to see him scoring headers as well because he I don't feel like he scored loads of headers for Villa, but that's a couple now since yeah, since Unai Emery's come in anyway. He's obviously scored one against Southampton as well with his head. He's scoring a variety of goals, Ollie Watkins, and he's he just he's full of confidence. Yeah, I, I think I like that about mm. him now, that if he misses a chance, he doesn't dwell on it. It doesn't affect his game. I feel at times, Ollie Watkins, he sometimes beats himself up a little bit too much if he misses a chance. I just said then, every striker will miss chances. Haaland scored the winner yesterday for Man City, off on the penalty spot. But he put one over the bar that he should have absolutely buried uh, earlier on in the game. Now, every striker misses chances, even even the best ones. But the key thing is at the moment that Oli Watkins is putting the ball in the net on a regular basis.
1: That's it. Yeah, and and we need to keep him fit at all costs. Yeah. And there is, like I, I, I said in, in my own post-match po- podcast uh, that I think, you know and we'll probably get on to Leon Bailey in a moment. I think his overall contribution because once again, I think he was lacking. I expect more. I expected more from him again today. And what I'm beginning to struggle with, with Leon Bailey is that you can't move him into any other position to get him into the game, because what he's doing is he's drifting so far back from that second striker position anyway, that he's getting back into a wing position. So, you know, you're kind of betwixt between what you can do with him, even at this moment in time. So like, I, I, and to get Ali Watkins into the game, it's we then struggled to get Ali Watkins into the game much more from maybe broken player or something like that to give him an opportunity to get touches on the ball because I think he's a player who does need touches in the ball as well as you know now what we're seeing is his gets one shot he puts it in the back of the net which I will be honest with you for for Ali Watkins. It's an improvement on what he's been previously because he's not always been that, that player. And uh, we're not going to try and gaslight anybody into thinking that Ali Watkins is, is, has always been a clinical striker. It's obviously something he's worked on. But because he isn't getting a lot of touches and because Bailey, is, he, he can be a real roadblock with regards to us attacking at times because he just does like he, he can lose the ball in city situations uh, or he can try too hard and, 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 and an attack breaks down through him. At times, it's it's just one of those things that I I feel that if we had somebody, like John Duran comes on and he's able to occupy a centre-half, win yeah. a high ball, and Ollie Watkins can drop into that to that Bailey position. Not all the time, but they can interchange. You can't interchange a Bailey and an Ollie Watkins the way they are at the moment. Because could you imagine lumping a ball up between Kurt Zuma and, and Leon Bailey? It would just be like, it would just come back twice as fast. So it's just, there's a dichotomy there with Leon Bailey where he's not offering us a anything like we need him to offer us at the moment or anything like he wants to be able to, he looks a disconsolate player at the moment. It doesn't, things aren't working for him in this league at this moment in time. And it's not like, like there's, it's, it's, it's rinse and repeat with him the whole time. The way he loses the ball is very similar almost weekly at this day, at at this moment in time. So, For an Ollie Watkins point of view, I'd love to see what he could do with another striker that can play off him. Because when we played Bundy up there up top, you can see he's a bit more mobile, he's a bit more active. And I know he had something like 31 touches today, but I'd like to get him more meaningful touches closer to goal if we can. Get him him to have more shots on goal, because he is our only striker.
0: Yeah, I'm barely like you say. You're watching the same thing every week at the moment, unfortunately. I don't want to rip into him at all because he scored some important goals this season. Yeah, I don't, I don't course. think, you, I don't think you can have a go at him for the penalty. And I also don't think it's down to lack of effort at all. I don't, I don't watch him and think he ain't trying. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not there in mm-hmm. terms of work. Right? I think he does, he does work hard. But overall, now there's only so many times you can just watch someone go down the same blind alley, run into the same cul-de-sac. Keep just dribbling and running into players. It's it's too. It feels a bit predictable at the moment that where where he's playing and that he ends up on that right hand side, and he cuts in and the defender stops him. Yeah. He runs into him. It's too predictable at the moment. And I, I really, really want him to be a success, Leon Bailey. I, I really do because I do think there's there's a good player in in there. But but at the moment, it's getting tough to watch him. I was watching the game today with my dad, and obviously I'm, I'm at every home game with my dad as well. But dad's very placid and quiet when it when it comes to Villa. He's sick of he's sick of Leon Bailey at the, at the moment he's absolutely sick of sick of watching him and I, I just think he came out of the team and you hope oh he's going to come back in this week and maybe he'll he'll, he'll prove a point I, I had a feeling he'd probably start today and that it might end, end up being McGinn that came into the center and'll we'll, we'll come on to McGinn because I thought he was good again today but but at the moment is Leon Bailey affecting the game enough in a po- in a positive way? to put up with the bad side of his game. And at the moment, he, he just isn't, unfortunately. And it was interesting today that Troy came on and, and got a run out. A player who I would say is maybe equally as frustrating at, at times as Leon Bailey, but he hasn't played for a long time. So there's some caveats there, isn't there, today? And he did do a couple of, couple of nice things. He did a couple of frustrating things as well, but it's going to take time to build him up. And I think you'll start to see him come on now a, a little bit more regular. But Bailey at the moment... He's got to do more if he wants to, if he wants to be in the team, and I'm saying that with Villa having one of the smallest squads there is in existence as well.
1: Bertrand and uh, just as you mentioned him there when he came on, um, yeah, looks like a guy who was shaking off some ring rust. Yeah, uh, hasn't played for a long time. He's been away for a, for a long time exactly, and he'd been in the Turkish league. And you know, with all with all due respect to other leagues in Europe, um, the cut and trust of the Premier League specifically when you're coming up against. Uh, a team like West Ham were fighting and are, are that bit physical. You know, you could see he was a bit rusty. He wasn't, wasn't poor by any means. No, no, yeah, no, he didn't, I didn't think so at all. Didn't do anything outstanding. Didn't do it like, but he was he was less frustrating. I, I would say. And, and do you know what? Maybe I was, that was know, the game, though, Neil. You
0: I know, think so. Maybe that was the game. Exactly. No one did anything outstanding. It was a bit frustrating at times. No one was poor. No one was good. In particular. He was just one of. The, although I did think the centre backs and the were good. But yeah, we'll come
1: on to that. But do you know what I mean? It was it was just I that agree. kind of game. I forgot. I've like, I don't know what it is, but Bertrand Chouari is. I what is he five eleven? I don't even think he's six foot. He looked about six two out there today. It looked like he, you know, in Turkey, Lean. you know, people people go to Turkey usually to get their hair hair transplants or whatever like that. It looks like Bertrand Chouari got like leg transplants to get longer legs because he looked really. He looked way taller. Um, when Bangla. he was out there. Yeah, he did. He looked he looked more like a gazelle uh, when he was out there because uh, he he does move pr- quite well and quite fluidly. And you know, I think you know if if you're if you're just hoping that Leon Bailey's pace is going to get you out of trouble away from home, well, why not have Bertrand Trour's unpredictability? Because as you said, pace can be unpredictable for Leon Bailey, but what he does with his pace is becoming very predictable. You know, and 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 for me that. Uh, it's, I, I think we need to find a different formula there. Or hope the Bubakar Kamara comes back sooner rather than later, and we just go back to our flat four midfield or tight, um, inverted four and in midfield or whatever you want to call it. I think away uh,
0: that flat four with the four central midfielders actually works pretty well. I think so to too. Away from half, I think it's actually perfect,
1: especially when Moreno plays
0: because mm. he's he's now starting to affect games when he plays again. I don't think he's perfect at the moment, I think he's given us more so far than from what I've seen from, from Luca Dean. And obviously, he's got, got an assist today. I just think because of his pace and he loves to get forward, he loves to be in the penalty area. He's kind of providing the, the, the width on that side. You'd hope yeah. Leon Bailey would provide the width on the, on the other side because he likes to play from, from the right. Yeah. That's maybe where we're, we're not getting width on that one side. But as long as you've got it on one side, I don't, I don't think that, that particularly matters. But he's become a, a good outlet, I'd say, in recent weeks, Moreno.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And it's interesting the way that Unai Emery kind of lets him just empty the tank and then brings on Luca Dean, you know. Um, I thought it was a strange substitution in real time. I was there. Oh, right, have... do that sub now. It's become the new to, yeah. for Trezica, the left
0: back <laughs> change.
1: But it it's it's like the 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 drop off in an attacking sense is is are, are the the sorry not the drop off the the change of of um of the point of attack between the two of them. We've spoken about it before. Is uh. It it, it could be a good change-up as well. I thought Dini did did really well when he came on. I thought that was you know he had a twenty-minute burst in him, and I thought he utilised it. But I thought Moreno was really good. Still picks the wrong pass from time to time. Getting used to the getting used to the league. That's okay, but. You know, he's a very willing defender. You can see that in him. You can see he's, he's, his positioning is that bit better um, and his pace. You know, he was able to, like he. there was times there when the when the three centre-halves uh, for West Ham were fanning out and um, Rice was playing in front of them. That's when he was waiting for that to happen for the full-backs or the, the Bowen and um, what you call them on the other side and Palmieri to come forward. When Palmieri came forward, he just shot past him. You know, that's all he was doing. And it was nothing. It was just the awareness of the way the, of the way that West Ham were playing, the way the field was panning out. And when that happened, he just went on his bike and he, he was finding seven, 10, 15 yards of space out in that wing, which was absolutely brilliant. And there was times in that second half, early in the second half, where I was thinking he was doing that. And I was going, this is probably made for them to bring on Ashley Young instead of a uh, Leon Bailey. And just let him just find that 10-yard pocket pocket of space. He doesn't need to be lightning quick, but Ashley Young can deliver a ball. And uh, he did come on later on, obviously, but he came on for Matty Cash. But the way they do an is cycling through uh, substitutions they may seem strange, but I suppose when I sit down and I look at him afterwards, I can understand reasonings why he's making those substitutions and he's using four or five subs most games now, which I think is beneficial because, as you say, we've got a thin squad. We might as well start using it and keeping people fresh, even uh, even protecting games like we did today. He brings on Callum Chambers and we come out of there with a 1-1 draw because mm. that last 10 minutes could have been toasty enough if we had uh, if we had let them keep coming on to us like, like we did.
0: Yeah, I think My one criticism of Villa today would maybe be that I think Carrera was there to be got at today. And I think we did it at times, but I don't think we did enough of it. I think he struggled since he came to the the Premier League. And Moreno was getting a lot of joy down that side when when we attacked. I I just felt like there's more of an opportunity there to, to get at him through the game in the second half in particular. I don't, I don't think we really got it. Got at him at all. I think he was still on the pitch. My memory's a bit hazy, to be honest. But I don't, was, yeah. I don't, I don't recall us getting at him. And I think that was a real avenue for success today. And the goal came from came, came from that side. To finish, let's just talk. This is one, John McGinn was excellent today in the middle of the park world. Well and to him move, moving inside, so I thought he showed some really positive traits in, in the game again. But I just want to talk about the two centre-backs. Previously, that's a game Villa would have really, really struggled in just a bit of bombardment. But I think those two, Contra and Mings, it felt a bit like a, a performance from that pairing of a few years ago, a couple of seasons ago, you know, when we were going really well. The only, time, the only way I can think to describe it is when Ross Barkley was playing as number 10, but the defence was going really well <laughs> at that point. It, it felt, yeah. and I felt Contra and Mings today, it was, it was like that. I thought they both dealt with everything that came their way in what won't have been an easy game for them. So I think that's a, that's a positive for us today, as well as now, Diego Carlos was on the bench, which is another great positive having yeah. him back in the squad.
1: Absolutely, I agree. I missed about missed about five seconds of what you said there because I sneezed and my ears started ringing afterwards okay. because I was trying to stifle it. But I think I got what you said there about our two centre halves. And I actually I missed the part about Ross Barkley. I was wondering. I was just saying in that that
0: time Ross Barkley <laughs> was in the team. That was the only way I could think to describe the time. <laughs> yes, and he was number but, ten when we were beating yeah. Liverpool seven 2 A- around that time. We were really good defensively, and the defence felt really on it.
1: And I felt that from Contra and Mings today that they were really on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think they marshaled things really well. They marshaled anyway. Like Thomas Suchek, I his name is very rarely mentioned in the Spanish commentary that I was listening to today. His name was very rarely mentioned. You know, he, I thought I thought it was one of his more anonymous games. I could be wrong uh, on that, but I don't remember any massive moments that he had. And I thought that he would have joined that attacking line to. To affect both Kanza and Mings and to try and rough them up, but he didn't. West Ham's biggest attacking outlet came from Ben Rama on the on the left hand side. And um that was seemed to be their game plan was to isolate Ben Rama out there and try and get him space with Matty Cash to cut inside and have shots. Um but the the two centre halves I thought were really good. Do you know what I liked about Mings as well today? And some people will say that you know he needs to stop doing this and concentrate on defending, was but he was he was striding out with the ball again. You know, he was striding out with that ball. There was a couple of times where there was one one time where he just put on the afterburners. He he had the ball. I think it could have been Ings came to him. He shuffled the ball to the sides and mm. put the afterburners on and ran straight through the middle of midfield. And he ended up, you know, a good, good bit into their half at this stage and then played a ball out to Moreno, I think, on the left-hand side. And that's confidence, you know, and we need those two players to be confident, Mings and Kanza, because they play better when they're confident. And um, so well done to the two of them today. I thought that they were very good and uh, they were solid. Should I say they were they were nicely structured. So I thought Martinez was brilliant today as yeah, I made he some really good saves.
0: Yeah, that one where he ran out, which scared me a little bit in, <laughs> in, in, in the first half. He's been very fast off his line. Nowadays, I'm not always convinced it's the right yeah. decision when, when he does it. But Emi Martinez knows more about goalkeeping than I do. That, that's a fact. But he's been very quick to come out. At times, I thought we played quite high today at times as well, yeah. which I like trying to assert pressure, trying to assert a bit of dominance, but not all the way through the game. Just in certain periods when we felt we were in control, we, we maybe pushed up an extra five or ten yards today and tried to exert that dominance a little bit more on, on West Ham and pin them in and make it difficult. And then if an attack broke down, we were high in there and we were ready to go again. I quite liked that at times. I don't think we did yeah. it all the way through the game. But there was definitely moments I, you know, in the second half, I remember saying it to my dad. You know, there was times when we, we did do that. I think we're becoming a decent a, a decent outfit now. And the players that are, that are here are becoming a lot more adept with, with what Emery wants. You know, if Emery had seen things he didn't like today yes. and wasn't happy with the result, He'd have said something after the game. But I think he would have been reasonably pleased with with what he saw today. Did, did Villa, you know, were Villa brilliant? No. Did they execute the game plan? Probably they did execute seven seven or eight things that, that Unai Emery wanted from them today. They've ended up drawing a game because they've given away a penalty that wasn't a penalty and there's absolutely no consistency. But I still think, you yeah, know, fair, fair result. West Ham won, Villa yeah. one. I don't think anyone walks away massively disappointed by that. Maybe some Villa fans do, but I think no one from West Ham, no one from Villa walks away from that and thinks, that's a really bad result. That yeah. is. Especially when you've won the home game the week before as well. You, know, you can, And then if we win at home next week, if you win the home game, take a point away or vice versa, you're happy, aren't you? You're in, you're yeah. in a good place. We're still stuck in 11th. We'll be in 11th for the, for the rest of time. it seems. But, but overall, um, a, a good point, Neil, and a, and a decent result. Just, I... some, just a few frustrations, I guess.
1: I think one of the things that you mentioned there about Unai Emery really being happy with this is that we went away from home with sixty percent of the possession. Players yep. looked like while well, we did give away the ball sloppily at times, I know that, and that's going to happen in in the majority of games. Like we're not Man City, we're not Barcelona, and the uh, of the 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 the, the late two thousands. You know, we're going to give the ball away, but I thought the the team looked more comfortable with the with the style, with the ide- ideology of the way that they want to play now. And I thought that they they looked, to, they looked to want to control possession of the game for good portions. And they did. And that's why uh, we had 60% over the, over the course of the game. And I think Guna Emery will look back at that and he go, if you go to any ground in the Premier League or most grounds in the Premier League and you control possession, you have a better chance of coming out of that, that, that ground uh, without conceding a goal. And I think that's what that's what he's all about, and 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 it stands to reason today. Yes, we did concede our goal a penalty, but we've talked about the 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 potential for that penalty not to be given. So I think Unai Emery, in if if that is his mindset, I think he's probably right in thinking that way. That if you can own possession away from home. Then you frustrate other fans, like you said, at the very, very start to tie a nice bow on this. And then what you can do is you can concentrate on hitting people on the break when they are least expect it and come away from away wins 1-0 or even 1-0 like we did. Come away from away games 1-0 or 1-0 today. And that's a sign of a good team when you can do that. Now, let's see if we can do it at home because at home has been very, very, very flaky for us um, so far this season. And
0: also, the biggest compliment I can pay John
1: McGinn in the team today is that I wasn't sat there thinking
0: we really miss Bubakar Kamara yeah. I, I obviously we do miss him but I didn't sit there thinking oh this is this would be much better if, if, if he was in there and you know, I think McGinn did his job in the middle of the part today I think that you know the defense in the midfield broke up the game pr- pretty well and and repelled things that, that were thrown at them today as well so you know we know kamara is a massive miss in our midfield but I didn't sit there today and watch that game and think yeah. We're really, really missing him here. And I guess that's a that's a positive because I thought, especially in this game, he'd, he'd be a huge miss. And to get 60% possession without him in the central midfield as well, that's yeah. a big thing. And that shows that the rest of the midfield and the players, they're learning what Emery wants. They're getting better at what Emery wants as well, because I wouldn't yeah. have expected to get 60% possession today without him in that midfield. So fair play to everyone today. Decent result. You know, some annoyances, as I've said, but all in all, I think it's it was a fair point and it's a good point. Villa as well. Neil, thank you ever so much for joining me. You go back and look after your sick family. You shouldn't be doing the podcast really, but I'm glad that you did. Thank you ever so much for coming on. Thanks to the people that have tuned in live as well as fashion critiques. From Chris Dolan, which him <laughs> dishing out the fashion critique with that YouTube photo is absolutely outrageous, in, in my opinion. Great. He's a lovely fashionista, but that photo that he's got on his, his YouTube picture, he needs to review that heavily. Looks like he's having a photo shoot in his living room. But yeah, that'll do us. Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Thanks to Purity. Thanks to Adam for producing as well. As far as I know, the show's gone out. There's been no fault. So a 10 out of 10.
1: Well, it, it can't be any worse than my, my efforts yeah. today. If anybody's seen mine, you've heard more. Like I see the difference different side to me in the anger that I showed as he as came on the podcast because of gremlins. So well done Adam. <laughs> yes, well
0: done Adam. tough job, tough job in there. Tough job producing. Tough job having to deal with me. So yeah, fair play to Adam. Be back. 1874 is actually going to be on Tuesday, not Monday. So we'll let you know when that's coming. Greg's unavailable tomorrow. So we're going to push it to Tuesday, potentially doing it live. So do watch it live. We'll let you know when it is and ask some questions as well, because we enjoy hearing from everyone that's watching. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Not long left up the villa.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.